Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. I'm Robert Shea. Yes, you are. You said it very quickly. Just trying to save time, I guess. Oh, well, we have all the time in the world. That's the beauty of the podcast format. We don't have anybody standing so around going, well, you're going to have to fit it into this amount of time, like we do on the TV show. That's right. I got people talking in my ear on the TV show going, you got 30 seconds. So it's a little yeah, intimidating that must be. sometimes. We, we ought to do a day in the life. That sounds menacing. Mm, it's, it's hard to get used to. Um, listen, there's a whole lot going on in one particular place in Washington right now that you're very familiar with. And I'm curious to get some insight from you as to what it means for the rest of Washington and the rest of the government, and that is Capitol Hill. Appropriations bills are starting to drop, so we're starting to get some sense of what the each chamber has for a vision for the budget for fiscal 2021. We know already what the Trump administration has asked for. What are you taking away so far from all of the markups that we're seeing so far, especially the appropriations committees in the House and Senate? Yeah, well, it, it's, it seems appropriate to reflect on where we've been. Uh, this Congress began um, with a new majority, a partial government shutdown. It undertook an investigation and impeachment of the president, and then we had a trial. All of that took place before the global pandemic, economic crisis, and the racial strife the country suffered over the last several months. Congress, in pretty quick succession, enacted some of the most sweeping recovery legislation it has enacted in its history, but they're not done yet by a long shot. Uh, they got to do another uh, stimulus bill probably before the end of July. But then they've got to get all the appropriations bills enacted. Of course, you and I know there'll be a continuing resolution that'll get us through the election. But still, there's work to be done on those bills to get them teed up for eventual enactment. The Defense Department has to be reauthorized, all while trying to figure out what to do to make sure that we come out of this current crisis with as much strength as we can possibly muster. It is a heroic amount of work that has to be done, which I say every year, but I'm pretty sure no one could pinpoint a point in history when so much had to be done in so much little time and so much depending on it. You think it's pretty much a lock, a guarantee that we're going to have a continuing resolution? Yes. There's a fighting chance we might get a bill for some of the agencies, but even those, I think, are going to be hard to do. Look, the Senate committees haven't marked up a single bill. The House is working a pace pretty quickly to get their bills done. The Senate hasn't marked up a single appropriations measure. So that's where things work on a different time scale. So Glacial um, is the word that I hear on an ongoing basis. That's right, glacial. And some of those bills are pretty controversial. And with a Democratic House and a Republican Senate, the gulf between both sides is, is pretty big, at least among the, the, the major issues. So that'll make it more difficult to get these bills done in time. What's really interesting to watch is what will the election mean for eventual enactment of a budget? 
So if President Trump is reelected and the Senate and House remain in in as they are, I think you'll see probably pretty good chance those bills get done before Christmas. If the president doesn't get reelected and the Senate does or doesn't flip, those things are factors that will delay even further the enactment of, of agency budgets. Take me back to the summer of the year 2000. You were on the Hill, right? Right. We were in the same situation, basically. President Clinton was not running for re-election. His vice president, Vice President Gore, was the Democratic nominee. Governor Bush was the Republican nominee. Big election. Do you remember what that budget trajectory and authorization trajectory looked like then? Because that was obviously a very tight race. It was predicted to be a very tight race in the polling throughout the summer and fall. So Congress then had an inkling, well, things might be about to change around here and we should maybe cooperate or not cooperate. That part of it, I don't remember what that looked like. So it's a good... Uh, point in history on which to reflect when comparing it to today because we always say gosh things are crazy now my goodness they were crazy then yes when we woke up that morning i go to bed early i went to bed thinking george w bush won woke up it was a it was too close to call and then we had several weeks of this agonizing back and forth to decide who eventually won and the city was paralyzed Mm -hmm. utterly paralyzed because everybody was watching the tv um to to see which side would gain the advantage on any given day to your question about what happened with the budget that year i have no earthly idea (laughs) what happened with the budget that year um i appreciate your candor thanks for nothing but i appreciate your candor (laughs) Here, if you've come here for insights, you've come to the wrong place. Well, story of my life. Story of my life. That's right. We'll continue to track all of that. I think the authorization piece, especially regarding defense, but also regarding some of these other bills, is interesting to me. But something we talked about, you were on the TV show last Thursday, and we talked about transition there. And there's one fact about transition that I was able to bring up, but... I, and I want to explore that a little bit more. But I got a sense that we just kind of got started in the seven minutes or whatever, which, by the way, is at govmatters.tv. I got a sense nice that... Uh, thanks. Well, I, it, it would have been better if you wouldn't have called attention to it, but that's okay. <laughs> I, you know, I just realized I've been hitting you pretty hard in, on the program so far today, and I apologize for that. I um, can take it. I'm an Irish Texan. Bring it on, baby. All right. Um, I think I'll... I'll try to tone it down for the rest of the program. Um, I just I got a sense that we were just kind of getting started when they were telling me in my ear, time to shut up and move on. So what what the 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 main thrust of our conversation was: this is what people in the civilians in government should be, the careers in government should be preparing for as the politicals either have cycled out or are cycling out in the coming months. What what didn't we get to, basically, on the television show that you wanted to talk about? Well, you know, the, there are lots of processes that have been institutionalized over the last decades in our government. The presidential transition process is one of them. Many 
groups have been stood up to help improve the process, to make it easier to transition leadership from one presidency to another. But like everything else during this time, there's a lot of chaos around it. So a new law was passed that limited the amount of time GAO could support a presidential transition after an inauguration because uh, the Trump administration sued, uh, not the Trump administration, the Trump transition, which was a not-for-profit, sued the General Services Administration because it thought it inappropriately released information about the transition. There was, there's also a new rule that administrations, which they've traditionally done, but again, this is not a traditional uh, transition, they now have to file ethics plans. How will they ensure and comply with rules and laws regarding ethical standards? What lobbying restrictions will, be, will they be put in place? How will they ensure the people they appoint either temporarily in the transition or into permanent positions don't have conflicts of interest? A lot of uncertainty, mm-hmm. just like everything else. It's unpredictable ball of chaos. The piece that I mentioned a few moments ago that I thought was potentially problematic, to be quite honest, is something that that we talked about on the TV show a little bit, was the idea that historically the administration in power in January, February, March of the year of the election will put out a memo and say, if you're leaving, leave now, or we're going to figure that you're staying until the end of the term. And I understand why that is. I think that's a smart idea so that you get folks, you get an inkling of who you need to replace and who's going to be with you to the end. And this administration, a number of sources have told me, never did that. And I don't know if that accounts for the number of people that here we are now in July seeing leave the top two leaders in the Office of Research and Engineering and the Defense Department both left a couple of weeks ago to take an opportunity together outside of government. Um, you know, that's not really good, especially in an administration where you have so many actings and so many performing the duties of already to have people leaving six months before the end of the administration is is potentially a big problem for these agencies, isn't it? It, it is. You and I have talked about it before, the importance of having permanent positions, permanent people slotted to these positions is really the only way they can execute their mission as, as well and as strongly as they can. This administration has had lower percentage of people in positions than any in memory. So it was already starting from a low level. But to the question you put to me on the show... Is that a problem? I think it actually, it's not really a problem because if it, if there's going to be a presidential transition, those positions would be vacant eventually anyway upon the inauguration of a new president. If President Trump is reelected, often people are told that there will be reconsideration of their appointments. So in that case, this could be easier for them. There would be fewer people to inform they're going to be reconsidered for the positions they're holding. Yeah. As we've said many times, this one's going to be different 
than any others that we've seen before. I think that's probably the greatest understatement in the history of the Fed Heads <laughs> podcast, but that's just me. Uh, what else is on your radar screen right now? I think that's enough. You know, wondering yeah. when everybody's going to get back to work. When, when uh, you know, the, the, v, the V recovery, it looks like it'll be a different shape than we hoped. Yeah. And the, um, you know, variability in cases and hospitalizations and death from COVID-19 is something to behold. Something that's troubling is, you know, where do Americans find the most reliable source of data? I think uh, um, it's unsettling that trust in government, other credible sources of data have fallen to such a level that people really don't have a reliable source of information on which to base day-to-day decisions, going back to work, going back to school, how to protect yourself. The country is going to need at some point to patch back together its institutions and uh, the trust in them in, in such a way that that at least there's a baseline of reliability in, in the, the organizations that serve us. I don't know how to add anything to that, so I will just say it's always great to see you, my friend. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. <laughs>